Real Golf Radio. It's a reround now on the team. Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Protecting the rights of you and your loved ones. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio. Welcome in. It's hour number three of Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper with you right here on 1280 The Zone. Every Saturday morning, 6 to 9. Thanks for being with us. Follow us on Twitter. At Real Golf is where you can keep in touch with us. Join the conversation. And if you missed any of the segments, they're all available for your convenient listening pleasure right there. At Real Golf on Twitter. Hey, we've had a fun couple of hours on the network. Uh, really enjoyed some conversations with America's favorite caddy as we went a little, kind of pulled the curtain up a little bit and showed you what the caddy does when he's not talking to us here on Real Golf yep. Radio. Stays very busy with his uh, yardage book business, and he got some nice press from another publication this week, and so we decided to ask him more about that. And, yeah, sure, you probably find out exactly who he is if you want to by finding the the article about that was written about him, uh, which, is, which is great. If you want to find out who the caddy is, people still ask me. Well, you can find it out, but a really good conversation and surrounding yardage books and the value of them for the PGA Tour players. Jeff Rude, a longtime golf writer, also spending some time with us and reflecting on his longtime career covering over 100 major championships, including 82 consecutive major championships, and got into some of his time with Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan, and, and that prompted us to bring out the Byron Nelson interview. So uh, if you missed any or all of that, we will replay that for you coming up here on this reround edition, hour three of Real Golf Radio, brought to you by Zion's Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. And um, yeah, it's been sort of one of those nostalgic kind of shows, but you know, that's okay. You know, I mean, the tour's playing. They've got things going in Houston, coming off of a, of a tournament in Vegas last week. Some of the local yeah. guys playing down there as well, but it's okay to, it's okay to reflect sometimes, huh? Yeah, coming off, uh, you know, uh, as you talked about in Las Vegas, um, Coming off a finish the week before, uh, uh, what a tied for fourth finish by Zach Blair. You know, he didn't play too well last week and ended up missing the cut. But Tony Finau, uh, on, in his first try on the PGA Tour in, uh, in the 1920 wraparound season, uh, Tony finished or got a top 10 right off the bat, tied for ninth um, last week there at the Shriners Hospital for Children's Open. So just another pretty- ho hum top 10 for T yeah. Finau, huh? Yeah. And so now I think he'll probably take a week off or so. And then uh, I would imagine he'll probably over um, in China for the HSBC and and some of those events um, over there in, in the Orient. And I finished uh, runner up to Brooks, Brooks Kepka at the CJ nine bridges last year. That's so correct. I think that he'd probably correct. take that on. We'll see. It's also, as you said, he's committed to Tigers event. Playing in the in December, which in, by the way, the these Hebrew. temperatures this week makes it feel like it's December already. Huh? Yeah, and I can, and you can guarantee he's probably not around. He's probably uh, maybe down south or something like that, trying to get get warm and uh, get ready to uh, to head o- across the Pacific Ocean to to play a couple events. Um, it you know a couple weeks away from choosing the captain's picks. Tony. Um, said he's pretty disappointed with himself and not getting one of those uh one of those guaranteed picks with by uh finishing in the top 8 just missed it but he finished ninth and and uh it'll be interesting to see what Tiger does as far as his captain's picks are concerned but he definitely wants to play in that president president's cup team in December no doubt he wants to be on Tiger's first uh, I had a chance to visit with him about that and and he said yeah for sure and he's a little frustrated that they didn't announce a couple picks right after the tour right. championship because Really, what's what's going to change? Maybe you save one pick for a hot guy, you know. Um, but 
I fully expect, like he finished one spot out of the automatic. I, mm-hmm. there, there's a, there's really a precedent there for that guy getting a pick. And I think you also have to go like Tony's an interesting guy, right? I mean, he's, he's for, for as good of a player and all the talent that he has and a massive amount of top 10 finishes, he still just has the one win out there on the PGA tour. And so some people might look at that and say, you know, I don't know, but the way he played as a captain's pick, picking up the only two points from the four captain's picks right. at the Ryder cup last year, right? Really stepping up in the moment. I think considering the steady play that he's had his performance in the Ryder cup, his only cup thus far, I think he has to, I think he's a lock. That's what I'm saying. I think he is a lock. He'll be on tiger's team. And I think he'll, until he proves otherwise, if he goes Mm -hmm. to Australia and just plays terribly, you know, that's probably hurts his chances for future captain's picks. He's going to have to earn his spot. But to this point in time, the body of work says you pick Tony. Well, and and it does not only because he played so well last time in the Ryder cup and was able to, uh, to get those points for the team. But the thing about Tony is his consistency and how he continues to play, um, great all the time. You know, he's a guy that's got a lot of length. He's a guy that, that, uh, that hits great iron shots. He's a guy that, uh, puts fairly decent. Um, and I say that because that's probably one thing that he needs to get better at is yeah. his putting and be able to, uh, to make more putts. But he's a guy that has a ton of top 10 finishes every single year and, and, and a bunch of top 25 finishes. So his consistency um, his ability to score and shoot some low scores. He shot 62 last week, his lowest score ever on the PGA tour there at, uh, in Las Vegas. And, uh, because of that, I think you'll see that Tony Finau will get a pick. Yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. So, um, again, Houston back on the schedule after a year off, uh, they're playing this week and, uh, I think it's the last time they're playing on this golf course. They'll be moving it to a new golf course coming up next year, and and who knows where the schedule will all get moved as well. But uh, good to have the Houston Open back on there, and uh, guys uh, continue to take advantage of this uh, fall season where you can get out and play and and get some points and get your status, get your spot in the Masters. I mean, it's a good opportunity for guys to jump out and play and win early in the schedule, no doubt. So – um, good conversations so far in the first couple of hours, and we want to make sure we leave time to get to all of them. You know, just to kind of give you a little taste of what, uh, you know, set up this whole Byron Nelson. Listen to this uh, story. After we were done with Jeff Rude, he dropped this little nugget on us, just telling us about, again, he was writing this story about Hogan and Nelson and then a sidebar on Sneed. And he shares this about trying to arrange a photo of Nelson and Hogan, which apparently hadn't been done for quite some, for years and years. And yes. uh, this is what he told us about it. In, in early 92, and it was the first time they were photographed together since uh, Press and Trail opened in 67. And uh, on the day that, uh, you guys have been at Nelson uh, yeah. several times, right? You know that big statue of Byron out there by the, oh, yeah. in between up the front. four seasons yep. and the first day? Yeah. So it was the day that that thing was erected and the big ceremony and so forth. And after the ceremony, I went up to Byron and I said, Hey, you know, you, you know, I'm doing this piece on, on you and I'm doing a piece on Hogan. And, uh, uh, and I did a sidebar on Sam talking about both guys. And, and I said, we, but we need to photograph you and Ben together. And, uh, and, uh, he, uh, 
he wants to do it at uh, Shady Oaks. And Byron, you know, who's a very nice man, grumbled. He goes, that's just like that, Hogan. wants to do it on his turf. <laughs> and so, so, so that, that night, uh, uh, Mitch Lawrence, our NBA writer was, couldn't cover the Mavericks and they threw me in to cover the Mavericks. So I'm writing pregame notes in the bowels of reunion arena and the phone rings and it's my desk. It said, Hey, Jeff, Byron Nelson just called. wants you to call him at home. So I called him and said, Hey Byron, what's up? And he goes, Jeff, I've been thinking about that photograph with Hogan and it just doesn't feel like me going all the way to Shady Oaks you know, uh, Hogan, Hogan's turf. And he goes, but I'm willing to compromise. Let's do it at colonial. And I said, all right, Byron, that's a, you know, that's, you know, uh, that's more than fair compromise. I said, but I said, let me call Hogan's office in the morning and see what, see what he says. I go, you know, that can be a tough deal. Yeah, I know. I know. So uh, Hogan consented to do it at colonial and, and those pictures, there's one picture of Hogan, Byron had have, had uh, double hip replacement and uh, was walking with a cane and Hogan hooked his arm. There's a photograph from behind and they were both in fedoras and suits. Um, and both of them signed it's on my wall right here behind me in, in That's my cool. uh, living room. But yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it's really cool. No, I've had a beautiful ride. I'm, I, I can't be more grateful. There you go. That was Jeff Rude, who, uh, again, you'll hear his full conversation. And that was a little, a little story he told us after we were done with the interview and, and we just kept rolling on it. Thought it was uh, definitely worth sharing. So that, that prompted us again to, to dig into the archives and pull up our conversation with Lord Byron Nelson. So that's all straight ahead. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Byron Nelson and hear from Jeff Rude and uh, hopefully have time as well for most of the conversation with America's favorite caddy uh, as we continue here on Real Golf Radio. Brought to you in part by Hoops Vision. Um, again, uh, you've been hearing some of the ads we've been running. Now's the time time to get into hoops vision and uh, set up your HSA. I mean, you've probably got something saved up and don't put it off any longer. Get out there, see them and uh, take care of it. It's, it's a lot easier than what you might think. And with the way technology advances, well, you might not have been a candidate in the past. You very well may be a candidate now. And the best place to go is to hoops. You can schedule a free, no obligation consultation. And as you mentioned, real golf radio, you can save a thousand dollars on your LASIK procedure. You don't really want to go to a budget eye doctor. Really? You're going to do that with your eyes? I don't think so. You go to the best and make sure it's done right and that you get taken care of with the best customer experience and the best and latest technology available. And that's at Hoops Vision and HoopsVision.com. All right, we'll take a short break. More Real Golf continues next. Our conversation with Jeff Rude and Byron Nelson and America's favorite caddy as we continue here on Real Golf Radio. Hi, this is Ned Siegfried. Siegfried and Jensen can help you if you've been injured in an accident. However, one thing we can't do is change the amount of your insurance coverage. You need to do that before an accident. By calling your insurance agent today, you can significantly raise your insurance limits for literally pennies a day. You'll be shocked to find out how little it costs to really protect yourself and your family. To learn more about this and other important elements of an accident, visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. This is Bob Casper for Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm a Traeger guy, and I got their Timberline 1300 from Barbecue Pit Stop. It comes with a Wi-Fi app where you can see and adjust your cooking temps while sitting on your couch or if you're out and about. My Timberline has 1,300 square inches of cooking space and the ability to cook up to 12 chickens, 15 racks of ribs, or 12 pork butts. I love my Traeger grill, and you can pick up yours today from Barbecue Pit Stop with locations in Lehigh, Salt Lake, Layton, or at barbecuepitstop.com. 
Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant. Game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts. And I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts. No more solution. No more glasses. Instantly, I could see. There was no pain. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. The first tee can teach young people how to hit a driver or how to stop a ball out of a bunker. But true success is measured by how well they perform off the golf course, by how well they use values like confidence, perseverance, and integrity in their daily lives. The first tee helps young men and women become better golfers, but even more important, better people. Get involved. Visit thefirsttee.org. Tee it up at Uinta Golf with the new arrivals from Cleveland Golf. Turbocharge your game with the new Cleveland Launcher HB Turbo Driver that delivers more speed for higher, longer, and straighter drives. And the Launcher HB Turbo Irons, which deliver maximum forgiveness, higher trajectory, and increased ball speed for more accurate and longer shots. And the Launcher UHX Irons deliver the perfect blend of distance and accuracy. Let us help you get custom fit for free today at Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Welcome back to Real Golf Radio. Brian and Bob with you here on 1280 The Zone. It's brought to you in part by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. As we mentioned, had an opportunity to catch up with Jeff Rue. This is a man that has covered over 100 majors in his career, including 82 consecutive just does a fantastic job. Our conversation with Jeff Rood. Jeff, how are you, man? Well, I'm great. At least you didn't say you read me when you were a kid. So I'm, <laughs> I, I'm thankful for that. No, I, well, I, you know what? Looking back on it, I was kind of a kid. I was 26 years old when Bob and I took this journey. And uh, it's pretty pretty crazy how far it's come. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do remember that. I remember following you and, and uh, seeing you in press rooms. And, you know, you guys would kind of give us a look. And Sal Johnson and some of these guys, like, uh, well, who do these guys think they are? What what they think they can do radio and be in the same building as, as us? And, uh, you know what? But but that's the thing is, uh, you know, you guys were real journalists. So, you know, you, you came under that cloth and went through that, that kind of time and era. And I, I've never, ever profess to be a journalist. I think that's a different level. I've, I've said often that, you know, we cover the game, we're more entertainment in, in maybe insightful in some ways, but 
try to promote and love the game. But uh, what you guys did, I mean, and have done for so long, I admire and respect. Well, I tell you what, I couldn't be more. Uh, well, first of all, hats off to you guys for uh, 20 years of, of doing great work uh, on your show. And I couldn't be more grateful for the run that I've had. Uh, you know, my timing was just about perfect. The, the, as we were talking before we uh, came on the air, the, the meat golf media landscape has changed drastically with, uh, you know, uh, newspapers not having golf writers and, and magazines going under and not translating to the, to the internet and, you know, not, not people not traveling to events as much as uh, before. So, uh, I couldn't be, you know, I, I, I mean, I've, I've had a glorious ride and I'm, I'm beyond grateful for it. You know, we've been able to do some really fun things in the game of golf. You know, we, we remember the years of, of going to Morocco for the Santu trophy and, and, and all that kind of thing. It's, uh, like you said, it's been a great ride so far. Yeah. You know, one of, one of my great memories of, of, uh, I, I went to Morocco twice, but one, the first time I went, uh, in the late nineties, I just remember sitting down in Morocco talking with your dad, uh, uh, the legend Billy Casper and, um, uh, who's been one of my favorite people in, in, in golf. Um, and that was a joy. And, and, and another memory I have of, uh, of your dad, the year at Augusta when, uh, uh, VJ and Phil, uh, VJ played behind Phil and, and VJ thought <laughs> Phil was scraping up the greens with his spikes and, and they almost got into it in the champions locker room. So I was scrambling around for eyewitnesses to see who, uh, to see who might've seen that. And, uh, I saw your dad up by the clubhouse and I said, did you see any of that? He goes, yeah, I was sitting right there. He goes, I got a little tense. He goes, I thought I might have to spring into action, um, and break them up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if Billy's ever done any springing. I'm not sure spring <laughs> is right in his vocabulary. But well, wait, it's funny, Brian, if we're out on a fishing boat and there's a jig strike for tuna, my dad springs into action. Okay. All right. You know, I thought you were going to say if we're on a tuna boat and uh, a young, uh, uh, un, with no, a young fisherman with no sea legs gets sick, he springs into action. Because he did stay up all night that time on the tuna boat making sure I didn't fall overboard puking. So yep. I, I do, I do yeah. give him hats off to that one. You know, I, I did a, I did a uh, hate to be rude video with, with Billy uh, more than one. But one in particular, I remember. I said, you're one of the greatest putters of all time. Give me a putting lesson. And, and he said, I always look at the front of the ball. That way you're, you're accelerating through. And years later, I was playing in Pinehurst. It was after the, uh, I think it was the day after the 2014 U.S. Open there. And uh, I'm playing with a, a, a guy who was a member at a club across town, um, Forest Creek. And uh, he said, yeah, I putt. Uh, uh, he goes, uh, I look at the front of the ball when I put, I go, where'd you get that from? He goes, I got it from you and Billy Casper. I go, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so somebody was watching. Jeff Rude joining us here on Real Golf Radio. You, you, you talk about these 100-plus majors you've covered, all the great stories that you've been involved with. As you look back on it, what stands out? I mean, you talk about the cool thing with, with Bob's dad, and I certainly treasured the time I got to spend with him. But you, you were there, sat down with, with all of the legends. What are some of the ones that you still just kind of go, you know what, that was really cool? Well, the, I think I had the last interview with Ben Hogan. So that was, uh, I've, I've written about this over the years. That was, that, was, that was interesting. It was in early 
1992. He had not done many interviews. It was the year that Hogan and, and Byron Nelson were, were and Sneed, Sam Sneed, uh, returning 80. And I was at the Dallas Morning News, and Hogan uh, agreed to do an interview. So, and, uh, so I went over to Fort Worth, went to his office, uh, made sure I told him I was playing Hogan Irons when I walked in. He seemed to like <laughs> that. And, and uh, um, you know, the first question I asked him was, uh, you know, what does a guy like you has everything want for his 80th birthday? He looked at me for eight seconds, shook his head and said, I can't answer that question. And, uh, you know, and keep in mind, I stayed up late and talked to a lot of people to come up with this brilliant list of questions. Second question I asked him, uh, I said, uh, you know, you turn, uh, you, you've accomplished so much in the game. What, what accomplishment, what achievement means the most to you? He looks at me for eight seconds, shakes his head. And I said, I can't answer that question either. <laughs> Um, and the third question was, well, do you, I know hitting, hitting a golf ball was your favorite thing in life. Do you still go out to Shady Oaks and, and hit balls? What's your relationship with hitting a golf ball these days? And he looked at me for, uh, uh, he said, well, I've, I've, I've played uh, very little golf since the wreck. And I was probably sitting 20 feet he's behind his desk and I was sitting 20 feet in front of him. I scooted my chair and I looked him in the eye and I said, now Ben, are we talking about the wreck in 1949 or is there one that I missed recently? He goes, no, the one in 1949. Now I looked down at my notebook. There was nothing on my notebook except the sweat dripping from my forehead. <laughs> he, had, he, 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 he granted 15 minutes and I, and the fans of the hourglass were speeding through. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there you know, sweating like Albert Brooks in broadcast news, Niagara Falls. I mean, I'm just, you know, I got 15 minutes with Hogan and I just burned about two. And, uh, and, and it was a guardian angel moment in my life. Guardian angel landed on my shoulder. And for whatever reason, uh, I stopped looking at my brilliant list of questions and said, uh, just kind of threw up my arms and said, well, do you miss hitting balls? And all of a sudden the, the heavens opened and the neon lit up and, and the guy couldn't get to talk couldn't stop talking oh did I ever do I miss hitting balls yeah it was a it was my life it was a, I would go out there and prove and disprove and there was never enough daylight and I'd be in my hotel room chipping balls up against a, a chair and uh thump thump and the front desk clerk called and said Mr. Hogan stop all that thumping you're waking up your neighbors and he went on and on about uh you know his his uh and, and I, I was such a dummy that I didn't, that the lesson didn't strike me until probably a year later that no matter who you're interviewing, make sure you, you talk to them about their passion. Um, yeah. if you're interviewing, uh, you know, Donald Trump, ask him what about the shiny skyscrapers, uh, turns him on. If you're interviewing, um, you know, Amalda Marcos better ask her what about high heels turns her on. And, and, and Hugh Hefner, what about, 24 year old blonde turns of mind and, <laughs> and, and so forth. I mean, you, you better go to the passion and when you do, and I think that's one of the reasons I had a decent relationship with DJ Singh because I would, uh, you know, I'd go up on the range and say, Hey, big daddy, what are you working on? And he, he liked talking about his craft. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Um, you're talking about Ben Hogan. We had a chance to sit down with Sam Sneed, um, early on and talk with him about, uh, about his career and uh, Brian asked him the question about that year when he won 18 times, and he goes— Talking about Byron, though, not Sam, yeah, Byron. Not Byron Nelson. Yeah. yeah, sorry, not Sam Snead. And and he goes, let me take you back to the year before, and 35 minutes later, we uh, we had this great interview at, that we still replay to this day of uh, 
of Byron Nelson and that year that he won 18 times. Yeah, what a what a beautiful man. I was I was very fortunate as the golf writer in Dallas where he lived to be, become a friend of his and to spend uh, you know a fair amount of time with him. And and that year I was the golf writer there in '95, the 50, 50th anniversary of the streak. And I remember we sat down at the Four Seasons uh, TPC Las Colinas in the clubhouse, and you know we were going to go through all eleven straight. Um, and his memory was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things he said was, you know, he said, you know, it's a bigger deal now than it was when I was actually doing it. And, and a few months later, uh, they brought in, uh, people from the 11 clubs where he won the 11 straight and a pro and, and three or four amateurs and, and, uh, Judd McSpadden, who was Byron's closest friend on tour, they were the Goldust twins, uh, told me that he said when Byron was winning 11 in a row, he didn't even know what was going on. And that he was his closest friend. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think in, in 95, the 11 in a row probably was a bigger deal than it was in 45. Yeah. It's, and he kind of alluded to that to us uh, at the time, right? That, uh, people weren't really paying attention until he got, you know, like what, seven, eight in a row or something know, like that. Something like that. Yeah. He, nobody even asked him about it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty interesting. Hey, uh, what's your Jeff Rude joining us by the way, right here on real golf radio. What, what's your current, uh, take on 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 the game today what what, what kind of you know i mean obviously you know having seen so much and uh you know you've mentioned some of the greats that you've been able to talk about what what about today what about you know you got brooks kepka doing his thing and you know how, how long can he be dominant because just a couple years ago it looked like jordan spieth was going to be that guy and you know tiger's bouncing in and out of here a little bit uh what, what's your kind of take on, on on the way the game is right now and does it get you as excited as some of the times of the past it does. Yeah, I, I think the game's in good hands. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, Matt Royer McElroy's 30 and Kepka's 29 and get all those kids from the high school class of 2011 with Justin Thomas and Spieth. And, and uh, uh, the game keeps, uh, seems to be uh, getting younger. I mean, uh, you know what, Matthew Wolf won at 20 yeah. and, and uh, Horikama won and, and Victor Hovland looks like a world beater and the kid from Chile was uh, Neiman was is what twenty when he won and yep. um, I mean since July fourth a bunch of kids you know twenty twenty one twenty two have won uh, and then you know Cameron Champ won again uh, you know uh, about a year after he uh, won as a rookie and he carries it what three fifty in the air right you know hits his eight, eight iron two hundred yards so um, no the game and then and then you've got you know. Uh, and then you have a sidebar of, you know, what, what's Tiger going to do? And we, we saw that perfect storm where he won the Masters uh, this year. And, and now the question is, what, what, what does he have left in the tank? So there's, there's that, too. So, no, the game's good. And it's probably never been a better time to play the game. Uh, green fees are lower because of, you know, the, the golf nows of the world. And, the, you know, you can buy equipment cheaper. And, um, so I think for the consumer, it's great. And I think for the golf fan, it's great. I think, I think that the, and we were talking about this before we went on the air, uh, you know, one of the, and I, I don't, and I don't know if the powers that be really comprehend this, the PGA of America, the tour and, and, and USGA and so forth, the storytelling will never be this way it used to be. You know, we're, we're out of the golden age of journalism, you know, with magazines and newspapers and every newspaper used to have a, a golf writer and so forth. And so I think the fabric of the game, the fabric of the game, you know, the, the, where the 
the local newspaper would have stories about uh, the touring pros in their town or, yeah. you know, or, or big golf events in the town. And, and so uh, that saddens me and what's happened to the media landscape saddens me. Um, and, but I go back to being grateful for the ride that I had. My timing is just about perfect. Yeah. Jeff yeah. Rude, our guest. Sorry. Good, Bob. No, go ahead. Jeff Root, our guest here on Real Golf Radio. So uh, talk about well, where we can find you now. And for those that are listening, that are fans, where, where, where can we get more Jeff Root? Well, you can find me on the first tee at the Orange Street Golf Club every morning about 1045. I like uh, it. Yeah. Um, uh, morning, yeah, morning read. We, uh, John Hawkins and I do a Friday column, a little short column. We ask a question and each of us give our take and, and then we do our podcast, which is on morning read. And it's also on iTunes. And, uh, you know, we've had, uh, uh, you know, in the slower part of the year, like, like now the fall season, we have more guests on. We had Lee Trevino on recently who knocked it out of the ballpark. We had Dewey Tomko on who's played for more than a million dollars a hole, uh, the legendary, uh, uh, poker player and, 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 and gambler. And, uh, some of his stories were, uh, were amazing. I would, I would, uh, uh, I would suggest your readers maybe go listen to that because uh, hang on to your hat. It's unbelievable, <laughs> some of his stories. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, you do a great job, and uh, we appreciate always the opportunity to visit with you and miss seeing you out there. I, we're not out as much as we used to, but uh, sometimes we, we catch up to you, sometimes we don't. So, anyway, always a pleasure to have you on the show, Jeff. Really appreciate it, and hopefully I'll catch you at 1045 on Orange Tree one of these days. <laughs> you guys can be my guest anytime you're in Orlando. All right, so. I look forward to that. Hey, thanks, thanks so much, Jeff. All right, guys, thanks. That was Jeff Rood, and it's brought to you in part by Siegfried and Jensen, 801-222-2222, Siegfried and Jensen. More of the show continues next with our conversation with Byron Nelson, our all-time favorite interview in 20 years of doing Real Golf Radio. It's next. Thanks for joining us here on 1280 The Zone. I'm Bob Casper with the Casby Real Estate Group, where we have more than 40 years of combined real estate experience in Utah. We understand that the way people buy and sell is rapidly changing, and life's biggest moves can be a stressful experience. At the Casby Real Estate Group, we provide cutting-edge technology, innovative marketing strategies, and skilled negotiation to help you reach your goals. We care about what you care about, and our most important partnership is with you. That's why I'm with Casby Real Estate Group at iPro Realty Network, where we pride ourselves on life's biggest moves simplified. Hi, it's Ned Siegfried. Siegfried & Jensen has been around a long time. We've been handling injury cases for over 30 years. During this time, Siegfried & Jensen has had the privilege of helping tens of thousands of Utahns. If you've had the misfortune of being injured in an accident, we'd love to help you as well. To talk to us for free about your situation, call us at 801-222-2222 or visit us at SiegfriedJensen.com. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. 
This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant. Game changers, even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts. And I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts. No more solution. No more glasses instantly i could see there was no pain it was so easy and it worked my only regret was waiting so long hoops vision is world renowned and with the latest technology they give you more options than ever do yourself a favor go to hoopsvision.com right now and schedule your free consultation and mention real golf radio and save a thousand dollars off your lasik procedure hoops vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus it's one of those moments you'll always remember Hi, fellow sports fans. It's Ned Siegfried. What would we do without sports? Following our favorite sports teams, whether it be the Jazz or the Utes or the Cougs, takes our mind off the many challenges in life. Accidents and their resulting injuries are certainly unexpected challenges that many people are forced to deal with. If you're one of these people, we'd love to talk to you about your situation. Call us at 801-222-2222. We'll talk to you for free. Or visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. Hey guys, BT here, and Bob and I are two happy customers of Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm absolutely in love with my new Yoder YS640S. This is the most versatile smoker grill I've ever used, and its Wi-Fi makes it a cinch. I feel like a barbecue pit master. Hey, whatever you need from grills and smokers to rubs and sauces, Barbecue Pit Stop has it for you in one of their three locations, Lehigh, Salt Lake, or Layton, or online at barbecuepitstop.com. Tee it up at Uinta Golf with the new fall arrivals from Mizuno. Discover layers of feel with the new MP20 range. The MP20 is the ultimate muscle back. The MP20 MMC uses multi-material construction for legendary feel and performance. And the MP20 HMB is a playable set of hollow tungsten enhanced irons for many skill levels. Let us help you get custom fit for free today. Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, we can't set this up well enough, uh, Bob, and welcome back to the show. Brian and Bob with you. Thanks for joining us here. The segment brought to you by Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business and by the barbecue pit stop with three locations up and down the Wasatch Front to serve you in Lehigh, Salt Lake, and in Layton or online at barbecuepitstop.com. Can't say enough to set this one up, but this was one of those that you had arranged uh, we, we sat down in the old 1280 The Zone studios there at Trolley yep. Square back in the day. We hooked up with Lord Byron at his ranch there in Texas, the one he'll tell you about. And, you know, he just started sharing stories. It was, it was priceless, and we just listened. And it ended up being over half an hour long, and this is the condensed version uh, of some of the things. We took some of those things out that were more relevant to the current times, but this is really the historical part that we captured in I consider this one of the greatest privileges that we had in the 20 years of doing the show. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. This is just one of those great gentlemen in the game. Hope you enjoy it as well. Lord Byron Nelson. I started chatting at Linden Garden Country Club at Fort Worth when I was 13. And uh, I liked the game from the very start. I never, I'd been a country boy and my people, my people farmers. And uh, when we moved to town, I'd never heard the name of golf. See, golf was all 
golf was very small in those days. And uh, I'd never heard the name of golf and found some of my friends had an extra dime a quarter to spend, which you didn't have those days and times was to, to just go out and spend. And uh, so I found out they had them, and I found out that they caddies at Lid Garden. So I went over, got my name on the list, and they had more caddies than then than did, uh, did players. <laughs> but I loved it right from the start. Well, that's tremendous. Obviously, uh, it loved you as well. And, you know, in 1945, I alluded to it a minute ago, you won 11 straight tournaments and 18 times that year. Can you describe your attitude or your frame of mind during that time and that year? Well, let me break you up just a little bit ahead of that. I had a good year in 44. I, I think there's 22 tournaments or something like that or more, and I won eight. Wow. Okay, and I finished well. In my, I, I don't think I ever finished worse than 10th uh, all year. And then so uh, I found out doing the inventory of what I did in 1944. Uh-huh. And there wasn't anything there very serious about anything. Except for going through that, I found careless shot, more than uh, careless shot, careless shot. Not, pro, not all the time, but more than any other one thing, and chip poorly, chip poorly. And that was the only question in the whole year about the way I played. Huh. Right. So I made, an, I made my New Year's resolution uh, from D.C. The, the last one, the 18th that year, was at Glen Garden, where I'd started as a caddy, mm. called Fort Worth Open, and it was two weeks before Christmas. So <clears throat> the weather was cold, the greens frozen, a few things like <laughs> that. But anyway, uh, so uh, I made up my mind then, from then to the time I went to California, that <clears throat> I was not, I was not going to play a careless shot, and I was going to work on my chipping a little bit. Right. All right, that's what led into 45. Wow. In 44, I'd, I shot, I'd average the lowest score, 69.67. There was a record at that time. And now that in 45, then, the total for the year was 68.33. So that's a stroke and a third per round. It don't sound like much, but that's five for a tournament. That's huge, and, yeah. And you're playing, you're playing well. Why you're going to be somebody when you yep. do that? You bet. So that that started my year. My game was such I was playing very comfortably. I wasn't particularly working on anything in my game, except being careful about uh, not rushing. I'm not. I'm not talking about in the swing. I mean, getting in a hurry, walk right. too fast, and so forth. So uh, uh, I just played very easily, very methodically, and very. I had, I developed a great rhythm early in the year. Of course, my rhythm was always pretty good, but I developed a great rhythm in thinking that way, and that's why I was I played so consistently. You know, back to about the winning that many and what it was, what it was. You know, when I when I won fifth in a row, why there's a little piece about one paragraph in the papers hmm. about the fact that nobody had won over four. So I won five. Now, it didn't bother me. I wasn't playing to win another tournament. I was playing hole by hole by shot by shot by tournament by tournament. And I'd school myself on that. And I didn't say, well, I won six, I got to win 70. Or I won eight, can I win eight. And there was very little said about it until the PGA at 45 at Moraine and Dayton. That was a major tournament. I tied for the medalist at 67. Uh, with John Revolta, and uh, so then I had some very good and very difficult matches at a great field, 
and I finally won. I finally won that tournament by beating Sam in the finals. Right. Normally, if you could, I know you can't even believe this, Bob. There were so little press people, one or two, or sometimes or three. The first time I won the Masters, I really interviewed once. That was by O.B. Keeler from the Atlanta Journal. Huh. And then, of course, he is covered for Associated Press. Right. Well, when when I won that, there was six press for the PGA Championship. And so when I, after I finished, there hadn't been things written about in the paper and things. And when I finished, I'd won the tournament. Then, of course, next I went to the interview room, and uh, the six men and I interviewed with them. And they said, you know, this is the ninth tournament you won in a row. And I said, I'm glad you guys know it. I Nobody else knew so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we laughed about it and stuff. So they wrote quite a bit about it. And that's when they started about the in a row thing. Right. <laughs> it was fun. Uh, it was just, it, it never did become a bother till I began getting tired along about the 12th of when I lost. And that, of course, Freddie Haas beat me. Yeah. And matter of fact, he and I had a conversation on the telephone just a few months ago. And uh, we were talking about something business. We're talking about that. He ended up saying, "You remember that term with you? Uh, remember Memphis?" And I said, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> <laughs> and and he's I was paired with him the last round, but being tired with him and him leading me four shots, got my uh, adrenaline going again. And and I I just about caught him, and then I hit hit the pin and the bounced off the ditch and stuff, or t- water, whatever it was, at the twelfth hole. And uh, uh, I made a double bogey, and so that put him back to four. Sure. And he said, "If if you had hit that flagstick on that hole, said I, I you people not knowing, but I, I you'd about had to be gone." <laughs> <laughs> He'll tell you that now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Byron, tell me what your motivation was that year. I know that you had kept a diary and and were were checking on the money that. And that's documented the money that you made. But well, weren't you trying to weren't you trying to buy a farm or a ranch or something? Yes, I was. I'm sitting here right right now. I'm same place I bought. Wow. At Road Oak, Texas. I've uh, I had raised the country. I liked the country. I didn't uh, I didn't mind the cities. I don't mean that. But I wanted to be out. So, but my my thought was this. I wanted to win more tournaments than anybody. I won in a row, but yet I did not focus on that. I really focused on each course, each tournament, each stroke, a whole of time. I learned to do that early in my career because I started, like a lot of young players do, thinking too much ahead of time. Right. And uh, by the time that time comes, why well, you're already lost. But uh, my swing was very comfortable, and uh, I just had a desire to win every important tournament in the United States at least once, including all majors. Those were my goals. Also, my main goal was to make extra money to buy and pay for this place because even my total that year, as good as it was, as great as it was, I made $52,000. Wow. And yeah, it doesn't seem possible, does it? Wow. But I had goals earlier. I wanted to become uh, a prominent player. I won, number one I wanted to do was to be a decent sort of man. I wanted to, I was a Christian. I'd, I raised in the Church of Christ by my wonderful parents, and I have continued to do that. And I think because of the actions that I made and the things that I have not done, have allowed me to uh, be to, to have the respect of the, not only the golfers but of the people that I have today. 
Absolutely. Lord Byron Nelson, our guest, tell us about your decision to leave the game at such an early age. Seems like you were right in your prime and, and decided to walk away. Not many guys can do that. Well, I don't think they can, but the thing that, you know, the other thing that I didn't, I hadn't said for you, I was really still was not making much money then at all, and I wanted to do some other things. I wanted to get into other, other some other ways. I had desires, almost a desire to be an account executive uh-huh. and stuff like that. But of course, I didn't have enough education. I only went to the ninth grade, and I had no background in that. So uh, I started in. The thing that was good. It's the best thing you ever had to me because look. I would not have been on the television. I was the first man that's on television regularly as a commentator, mm-hmm. a, a pro commentator. I started. I started really in 1960. Right. I did. I went under contract with. I did freelance say, uh, radio and TV, mm-hmm. and went with ABC with Rune Nardis and Chris Schickel in 1963 under contract when Nicholas won the PGA here in Dallas at DAC. And I was with him 14 years until 1977. And uh, the thing that that did was when they started the tournament, the Dallas Open would be, you got you got some time? Oh, yeah, we're fine. Go you ahead. Bet. Well, the Dallas Open had played one golf course, one down, one down, another golf course. And so they never had any continuity of, of people who who were running the tournament Somebody do it one year and somebody else the next, somebody the next. Sure. And it, it was a failure. And uh, so uh, I had, of course, left the tour now and uh, and uh, was uh, doing some television work and radio work here and writing with a ghost writer in the Dallas Times-Herald. So I'd made millions of people that asked me questions, why is the Dallas service so, oh, such a failure? And I quoted just the things I just already said to you. But it's just what was going on. Yeah. So I said it needs to be tied to something other than the Dallas Open. It's going to have to be at some place where that they have the same continuity. You could build continuity of people that are working on the tournament. When you go to what well, you go to DAC one year, you go to Brook Hall another year, you go to uh, Lake Lakewood another year. You keep going around, and uh, there's no continuity to it. So I told them that, and so. Uh, the Sailorship Club that sponsored our tournament, they had been sponsoring things and raising money to work with delinquent children from 1922. So they were doing a great job of what that money they had. So in 1967, they sponsored the Dallas Open the first time in 1967, and it was at, at uh, Oak Cliff Country Club. Earl Stewart was a pro there, a good player, and he won the tournament. Well, uh, I had been, now I had built a Preston Trail with the great architect Ralph Plummer, and it was a good golf course. And so in about a couple of three months after the tournament, why one day W.L. Todd, Phoenix McKnight, and three other men, but W.L. Todd and Phoenix called me uh, from Dallas and said, Byron, yes, it's told me, and we got something we want to talk to you about. We know you're home. We want to see you right now. We're on our way, okay? I said, sure. So they came out, pulled up, and came in and sat out, and we started talking. And they said, you know, Preston Trail, you hit Bill Preston Trail. It's a good golf course. And so forth. We talked about that and so forth. And then they said, uh, we 
we've been talking to them about playing the Dallas Open there all the time. And I said, oh, well, that's great, because it's a good golf course, and it'd be one one golf course, and it's a, uh, said the only thing about it, it's a bend on the golf course. So they said there's one other one other thing we have to have, and uh, we want to call it the Byron Nelson Classic. So that's how it came about. So I was just flabbergasted. I was honored <laughs> so I could hardly speak. So that's the way the tournament started. Wow. In the fall of 67, when they made the announcement, they had, they had a big party downtown Dallas. And governor Conley was there, who was a great governor, a man that got shot along with what Kennedy did. Uh, Hogan was there. Demerit was there. My mother was there. First time she'd ever been to one of those parties. Sammy Davis and Glenn <laughs> Campbell were the wow. entertainers. Wow. How about that? So they really kicked it off. And I tell you, we make, our tournament makes 10% of all the tour money on charity. Oh, there you have it. Byron Nelson. I mean, <laughs> I love the way he set that up. Uh, all the celebrities were there. His mother was there. I mean, I just, all of it. I just, I love, I love everything about it. Uh, sometimes I might, when I'm out playing, I think about careless shots and careless chip shot. poorly. Chip poorly. <laughs> he kept a journal, maybe the beginnings of those yep. yardage books that we talked about, yep. you know, uh, understanding what he needed to do to get better, man. Just, just fantastic. What a great, what a great individual and a great ambassador and legacy that he left for this great game of golf. Before we get to America's favorite caddy, just a reminder that uh, if you are not already a proud owner of a pellet smoker or grill, you need to get out to our friends at Barbecue Pit Stop or barbecuepitstop.com. Bob, what are you smoking this weekend? Uh, I got tri-tip again this weekend. Oh, man. Love me some tri-tip. Last week was um, some pork tenderloin. Ooh, I like the sound. You know, that's a super easy one, but it, it comes off. I'll tell you what, growing up, I, I had like pork chops or what have you, or pork tenderloin. It seemed like, and this is no offense to my mom, but it felt like they were always a little dry, <laughs> even though yeah. they were floating in that like scallop potatoes gravy type stuff, yep. right? That you had mm-hmm. to do to try to eat them. When you can throw those on your smoker and slow cook them, it just, and then reverse sear them, it they're so juicy and tender. It will blow your mind. They're one of my favorite things. My wife absolutely loves it when I cook that on my uh, pellet smoker. I, I, of course, am rocking the Yoder YS640S. Bob's got the Traeger 1300, all from Barbecue Timberline 1300. Yeah, Traeger Timberline 1300. All from our good friends and the Barbecue Pit Stop Masters at Barbecue Pit Stop and BarbecuePitStop.com. They got you covered. All right, uh, as we mentioned, America's favorite caddy. Getting a little bit of press for what he does best helping those best players in the world make critical decisions every week out on the PGA Tour. The yardage books are new every week. Uh, there's Even if a course, quote-unquote, doesn't change, it actually does by our standards of what a change means, which may not be much of a change. Maybe they move to 150 plate a little bit, but we need to know that because we're getting a yardage off it. And maybe a tree went down that we used as a target, and we want to know that. So basically they're getting a fresh look of current information when they go out there. The caddies tend to keep all their books because they put notes in them as they go along. And they'll often take a brand new book, but use last year's book because they'll just review it, see if something changed, and then maybe pencil it in if they need to because they have notes. Now, this year's a little different because of the USGA specs, et cetera. Everybody's pretty much just using a brand new book this year and starting, kind of starting from scratch. Although I have known caddies who carry three or four yardage books 
in their bib with them during a round from previous years that have different notes on different holes, believe it or not. Uh, players, on the other hand, most of them probably just toss it when they're done. Use it for the week, and then I'm done. I'm not going to use that again. Now, there are some exceptions. There's some players who are very meticulous about things. Camilo Villegas probably leads, leads the pack. Uh, his his notes and his yardage books are, are just, if you ever get a chance to to to, uh, to see it, you got to take a look at it. It's pretty impressive. So, so what type of notes? What 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 would be the notes that the caddy or or player would write in their book? So they might want to add something extra on a tee shot line for their player. Uh, Teddy Scott, who works for Bubba Watson, might have some tee shot line you couldn't imagine taking, but Bubba can do it, <laughs> uh, right? And and uh, there may be a player who maybe a caddy wants to he he wants to measure to the back part of the green that wasn't measured in the book, so he goes out there with his gear and he checks it all out and writes those notes in there. Very often, a lot of guys, and a lot of players do this too, will write down a direction a putt broke historically in the book um, to a certain pin placement. This putt broke more than you thought, or this broke two cups right. Uh, there's a lot of that going on, putt notes in there. Uh, and then, of course, the notes in general, though, during a round, when a player hits a shot, a caddy typically will record how far it was to the front, how far it was to the pin, what the wind was doing, whether it was cold or hot, maybe how the player hit or missed it, where the ball landed, and how far it ran out to. And most caddies do all that stuff on every shot their player ever hits for their entire career. So it's pretty good little data collection. That way, you can come back. A player could say to a caddy, what do you like here? And the caddy could tell him. I'll give you a specific example. Um, Hartford Open, 1990. Uh, we're on 17th Sunday, shot over water, front pin. My player's just in the left row, and he's tied for, probably tied for 10th at the time. And so he says, what do you, you like eight iron? And I go, well, in the pro-am on Monday, we hit nine iron from right here, and I showed him the book, same numbers, everything. He says, I guess it's a nine iron. And he pulled it out and hit it a foot from the hole. So that's hard to do when you're going over water telling the guy to hit less club but and giving him confidence in it. But because I could say, well, remember this Monday? And he said, oh, perfect. He was able to make a real confident swing. So that's where the notes come invaluable. You can go back to history. And then sometimes some guys will remember, hey, what did we do here three years ago? Didn't we have the same shot? Let's take a look. And they'll go back and they'll look at the notes from three years ago on Friday. There it is. Six iron. Oh, perfect. Thanks. It's, it's pretty wild when you think about it. All right, that was America's favorite caddy joining us here on Real Golf Radio. What a fun show, man. That was a good three hours. little yep. nostalgia, a little bit of uh, technology there, a little help with your game. All hopefully you enjoyed listening each and every week right here on Real Golf Radio. Good stuff, huh? Yeah, it was good stuff and enjoyed uh, being able to talk to Jeff Root and the caddy and, and of course, um, the high point or the hallmark of our 20 years one of them uh, with Lord Byron Nelson. We've done some cool stuff, but I agree with yep. you. I mean, that's I, to me, it's just a treat to be able to visit with a, a legend like Byron Nelson. Uh, tremendous yep. stuff. Kind of gives me the all the feels listening to that too, uh, which is cool. Hopefully, you enjoyed it as well. Thanks to our great sponsors: Ions Bank, Siegfried and Jensen, Hoops Vision, Barbecue Pit Stop. Uh, just appreciate 
all of you uh, for your support, uh, as well as you for tuning in and listening every week and making it possible for us to do what we love to do here in our 20th year of Real Golf Radio. For our producer, Dave Glauser, for Bob Casper, I'm Brian Taylor. We'll see you next week right here on 1280 The Zone 6-9. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Brian and Bob on Real Golf Radio. Join us on Twitter at Real Golf or on our website at realgolfradio.com. It's been real.